Do you like sports? Yeah. Do you like beer? Yeah. Well, the perfect podcast exists for you. Tune in every Monday as I, Jordan, stacks on stacks on stacks, lats. And me, Big Ball and Ben Larson, as we recap the weekend sports, preview upcoming games, and review quality craft brews on the Taproom Sports Podcast. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast fix. Visit taproomsportspodcast.com for more info. In trouble in the backfield. Watch the throw now. He's going to go deep. And I mean deep. And I mean touchdown, Florida! Rifles are right in front of Abdul Rahman. At midcourt, extra pass. And it goes for the win! The three-pointer by Jordan Poole! Troy Smith, flush. Tim Shaw giving chase. Reverses his field. Got a block from Pittman. Going deep. Got a man in the end zone. Touchdown, Ohio State. Yo, yo. Welcome, everybody, to the program podcast, the college sports podcast brought to you by MyBookie. Do yourself a favor, get a head start, sign up today with promo code TAPROOM and get your first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's free cash credited to your account instantly on top of your deposit. Bet, win, and get paid at my bookie. I am your host, Jordan. Stacks on stacks on stacks. Lats, here with my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, the Don, Brian Lewis. What's going on, Brian? Oh, man, just... uh. What a week. It's been a scandalous week. I know <laughs> one of my other shows, I do soccer, and we were talking about Barcelona, but Les Miles, I, I'm telling you, it, you know what? This Someone must have been, like, waiting because, like, you know, we haven't had a good scandal in a while. We needed that. Maybe yeah, we, we missed haven't. a trip. A little too and, much. We've, <laughs> and, and we've had a few, dude. We've had a few this week. Um, you know, we had the McDermott theme pop off this week and then today we get hit with that less miles uh story so you know let's just hop into the less miles let's get it out of the way let's talk about it because most of the shows are obviously going to be college basketball right so less miles former lsu head coach apparently this report comes out that you know lsu had banned less miles from contacting female students who the report says he took to his condo alone and on at least one occasion was kissing a student and suggesting they go to a hotel after telling her he could help her career. What do you make of this, dude? And then, oh, before before I ask you that, Brian, Kansas has also come out and said that, you know, before they actually comment on it, they want to read both reports, the report that LSU has and the report that's supposedly coming out tomorrow. I mean, seeing as they were so silent during the Bill Self investigation, I was stunned. Um, but besides <laughs> the point, uh, you know, like in Kansas, I mean, they're they're willing to throw the football team under the bus if the basketball program benefits from it. But the LSU thing, I'm not surprised with Les Miles. Uh, I, I I thought Bobby Petrino was like, oh, this is more Bobby Petrino stuff. I thought we already knew this about Bobby. And I, oh wait, it's Les Miles. So <laughs> I mean, again, I, I it's. The culture of college football and and everything that goes on with it in college sports, it's just like it's insanity because, you know, what if the players had gotten involved with this kind of level of partying and everything else, they would be NCAA violations. But a coach does it and like, you know, he may lose his job, but I mean, Les Miles will just have a small reputation deem and then he'll be hired somewhere else in a few years. Like, 
obviously you look at everything associated with Baylor with Art Bryles and Art Bryles' name still comes up with jobs. Um, despite the fact there are a lot of people that just don't want Les Miles, I mean, not Art Bryles to coach again. So, I mean, the name's going to pop up. I mean, Les didn't really work out at Kansas. So it's not like no, his didn't. career is going to be going up in a trajectory anyway. Right. But again, like this is just part of a cultural thing with college football. And it's probably gone on for a long time. There's probably a lot more people in it. Of course, I yeah. mean, now, you know, just because there's some politicians that are getting dragged down for it doesn't mean that, you know, any, nobody's safe now. Yeah, and I think the crazy thing, too, with LSU, at least, is like, you know, there's all these allegations already that they're going through with, you know, student athletes. And then even with Ed Orgeron, too. And Ed, Ed Orgeron as well. So, like, what, is it, what does this tell us about the institution of LSU? Because obviously they have, you know, we always see programs get docked for lack of institutional control. And, like, this is, I mean – there couldn't be a better example of lack of but again because control. of but this goes back to the Penn State case right so people and this is what saved Miami the the way that the Penn State cases were handled both times because they had them in 99 and in 2013 and right. NCAA didn't do the death penalty because they look at what happened at SMU and it severely detrimented SMU to a point they can never no recovery but again isn't that the point of the death penalty though is to have yeah. some kind of discipline where you can't get to the same level but again, the difference between Penn State and LSU and where SMU was, even at that point, was SMU was still not a premier school in Texas. LSU yeah. and Penn State are premier programs. And now, the only the only major institution they're willing to give the only major institution that they're willing to give the death penalty to is USC. And even then, they didn't want to go that far with USC, but it did feel like that, though. I mean, five years probation felt like eight. Yeah, no, it was with all the scholarships. So, I mean, again, like it's, but if you look at the way Miami defended their case, like even Miami's was in the same level of USC pettiness. Like they shouldn't even have been gone that far into it. It's just one guy and the NCAA forged their own investigation, just like they did at USC. But unlike Miami, Miami was able to go balls to the wall and take them all the way. USC's boosters didn't feel like they had to. But then again, maybe the leverage game is a little different too because of the press that my the Miami case got now how's that relate to LSU well like Miami LSU has been in the news many times for what was what's called a lack of institutional control so if I were LSU right now I would be calling whoever did the Miami case and say hey save us like <laughs> literally I mean it's LSU is worse than some of the things that heard about Miami I mean a lot of things in Miami was just players being able to have money because they didn't have money to go yeah. out two things and it's not like a lot of the well some of the miami players of the yesteryear were a little bit more doing whatever they held they wanted to do but some of the right. younger miami players the ones that we remember as kids like the santana mosses etc they use that money to probably get their family so again if the ncaa yeah. starts paying players and giving players the leverage then that's a different story but i mean <laughs> until the coaches and the players are held to the same standard this is going to keep happening and it's not yeah. on less miles. It's a big culture thing. Cause I guarantee you back in the old days, it was a lot worse. Yeah. And I, I think this like today it showed me a little bit more about LSU than it did about less miles or about any individual person, because I mean, at this point, this has been going on for at least 10 years that we know about for, you know, at LSU. So who knows how long this has been going on? Like you said, this could, could have been going on for 50, 60 years. And it seemed like less was always on the hot seat at LSU too. It was, it was it's like, Oh, they're going to get rid of less. They're going to get rid of less. I wonder if was, this was always on the back burner and it just never came out. Yeah. That's what it almost feels like to me. You know how like uh, 
some people go, oh, why was this guy always on the hot seat? And then you go, oh, that one thing, go oh, bam, that's why. Yep. So, I mean, like Philip Fulmer for years, too, towards the end of Tennessee, it was like, oh, is he going to retire? Is he going to not get retired? Then when Tennessee gets hit with violations, he retires. Yep. Like, it kind of felt like that was exactly what happened at LSU. Right when the NCAA was going to pounce on him, they fired him, and somehow they didn't come back going after him. So, I don't know. But how I does mean, Kansas not even know about this before they well, hire Kansas, him? Well, Kansas, I don't give any respect to in terms of like this, because this goes public. The way that they handled the Bill Self thing with the recruits and everything, the way that they handled that, they basically left their players out to drive. Um, basically left their players blindside drive. Because it's like some of those players may have gotten their illegal benefits. But at the same time, like Kansas goes, yeah, but we're sticking with Bill Self. We're we're Kansas basketball. Like James Naismith coached here. Like we're Kansas. You know, yeah, like no, it's just Kansas is definitely a basketball school, and Miami's becoming a basketball school too, Brian. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know. But and then and then you get and then coming to the coach culture, even when you tie into the McDermott thing, right? The McDermott, right. this is a totally different concept because now obviously in the last 18 months in American history, we don't have to go into the whole specifics of what's happened. But right. I mean, everything conversationally that's happened on the mainstream and independent media scale, Craig McDermott, anytime you use the word plantation in a step, I'm not even going to play the full quote, you use plantation in a sentence and, and everything that was said about Zlatan Ibrahimovic over the last week, mm-hmm. which that, yeah, that was a good show you guys did too. And everything, and I, of course, I got to talk about Zlatan in a different format as well. Yeah. And of course, you know, look at how he got dragged for his comments. And even him was more tone deaf than anything else. McDermott literally said, you know, the players should stay on the plantation over the weekend. Really? I mean, you do realize your school is in Missouri, right? Coach yep. McDermott. So like that's uh, literally... Creighton's in uh, Nebraska, isn't it? Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska, Missouri. I mean, yeah, it is Nebraska. <laughs> same. I thing. just looked at it. But to me, it's the same thing. Like, you know, that was then Nebraska was a slave state, the last one, but it was. Uh... So, I mean, it hits home for a lot of people. You know, yeah, I mean, so, not everyone's history obsessed like I am, but I mean, it, it, there's too many connotations that yeah. go into that. And, you know, publicly, you're going to get ripped apart for that. Even if people weren't outrageous about it, they're good, still going to be people going out. It's like, do people even pay attention to what's going no, on? No, they don't. And for those that haven't heard the quote, the quote goes as follows, quote, Specifically, I said, guys, we got to stick together. We need both feet in. I need everybody to stay on the plantation. I can't have anybody leave the plantation, end quote. I mean, at like you said, dude, it's 2021. Getting off the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting off the train. Getting off the plane. I mean, the boat, the ship, like so many different words he could have said, and he chose to use plantation insane dude insane yeah i mean that's that that sounds like some italian syria type of tone <laughs> right there no it's just that's bad yeah and like, so i'm surprised he hasn't been fired yet quite honestly well so today you know he was he gets uh suspended by creighton but yesterday you know mcdermott said you know i i told them i would be willing to step down right now and but if you're willing to step down, like, why wouldn't you just step down? And why the now? The school doesn't want to do it because the school may be looking at it like, hey, we got a tournament run and they need the broadcast money. I mean, oh, Creighton, sure. may need, Creighton may need that TV money. And I mean, they, and they keep in mind, McDermott's only in a second year there, right? They lost their coach to Ohio State, which, by the way, thank you, Creighton. Um, oh, McDermott's <laughs> been there for a minute. 
Yeah, but I mean, like, he, I think the Ohio State coach was there before. But, like, it's, as I said, like, obviously you have someone – and never mind the fact McDermott's kids play in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a different angle with Doug McDermott. That's another whole angle into this whole thing. Kind of like how George Carl's statements are, right? How, like, his son had to kind of pay the price in the G League for it. Yep. But, again, this is just – until coaches are put on the same pedestal as players in the NCAA's eyes, which I know there was one court case in the fifties that changed that whole thing. But until that happens, this is, this is how it's going to be. The coaches are never going to be held to the same level. I mean, this is the same NCAA institution that probably knew that Joe, Joe Paterno enabled behavior for Sandusky for 30 years. The fact that you had all these other things going on at other schools, I mean, never mind the Boston College fixing scandal. That was going on for six and a half months before they found out. The same NCAA. Just because there's different people don't mean the suits don't change. Yeah. I mean, this is... I mean, Creighton... I mean, I understand why they're not firing. They're not going to force McDermott out because then they still have to pay him and everything else. I mean, I'm sure they could probably figure out some kind of buyout. But, I mean, midseason... I mean, the last time that any coach got fired midseason and any had any tournament success would be Steve Fisher at Michigan, which that's a fairy tale. Yeah, that's not. Nah, he was, uh, and Creighton was battling for a Big East championship, you know. And then yeah. on yesterday they played Villanova. Villanova was like, I think they were four and a half point favorites. They ended up smacking them, and you could tell like that team wasn't playing the same that they've been playing, right? They dejected. I mean, Xavier, by the way, that was a big turn. That was a big win they were looking for, too, for Xavier. That yep. could be the catapult to their run. Xavier needed a big win, but I don't think uh, they might get in. I don't know. It's going to be tough for them to get in. Um, But let's – so let's segue into, you know, conference tournaments right now because we've had a few conference tournaments been going on. Uh, A-10's been going on. The Horizon League's been going on. But really, I think of all the conference tournaments that are going on right now, obviously the WCC has Gonzaga, and the A-10 might be the next best conference, um, you know, because they're pretty deep. you got Dayton, you know, Richmond, they're playing without their best player, and then their second best player fucking got hurt halfway through the game today. There's some traditional programs in, in the A-10 as well, so that's where I think – yeah, they can. I mean, Day, uh, Dayton definitely is one team that has made tournament runs before. I mean, URI and obviously URI Dayton playing today, as you mentioned, Dayton beating URI, URI, but URI obviously they're not on the same level as they were maybe a couple of years ago with EC Matthews and and Colton Iverson. So they don't have that kind of talent. But they have the they have a kid with the best name in college basketball, Fats. Dude, great name, bro. That is. But regardless, they were fucking pretty bad today. Uh, they ended up losing 84 to 72. And like I think it was a week and a half ago, they played Dayton um also, and they were down by 18, ended up coming back, forcing overtime, and won the game. So, you know, I was a little shocked by this. I thought it was gonna be a lot closer of a game. Uh Rhode Island really just struggles shooting the basketball. Yeah, I mean that seems to be the issue. Um, like I'm, sur- I'm actually surprised they were able to get 72 points. I mean, they gave up 80 to other create. Uh, Dayton's just a team that can score when they when they're playing well. Um, yes. I'm pumped to see um, if same Bonnie can if we can get the same Bonnie uh, VCU matchup because those were two record wise. 
Those two teams are interesting. But St. Bonaventure is going to get tested by St. Louis and, and UMass. They're going to get a test. Either one of those teams makes it. I know UMass for sure. If they're full strength, UMass can probably challenge and win. And I wouldn't be surprised. But obviously, I'm still picking the Bonnies to win that conference. They were, they're yeah. a legit team. I don't think UMass can be as hot as they were today. Like, it was unreal, dude. They were just making everything in the first half, dude. It was, like, crazy. They haven't been full strength as much this year either. I know they have, like, three premier scorers. They were, there was one game I saw they were missing their top two scorers, and they still won the game by 10. Dude, and I crazy. think that was when they were playing URI. And it's not like URI is a bad team. They're just not in the level that they were. As I said under Dan Hurley, like, you take a big step back when you lose someone that good as a coach. Um, yeah, no, that's true. And they're not a program that's known to be consistently successful. So, so. tomorrow in the A10, we got um, – oh, my God, I just lost it. I pulled it up. Oh, tomorrow we got St. Bonaventure Duquesne. versus Duquesne, St. Louis versus UMass, VCU versus Dayton, and Davidson versus George Mason. Davidson versus George Mason, Mason is actually going to be a fucking great game. Yeah, that could be a sneaky one. George Mason pushes the tempo. Very good offensive team. Um, today was hella weird because I felt like they dominated the first half, but they were losing going into half because they literally were like, I, I've never seen a team miss so many wide open shots like from all over the floor. It was insane, dude. But sometimes it's not your night. I'm with I'm with you though. I think I got I got St. Uh, Bonaventure coming out of uh, of this. Uh, of this conference and then some of these conferences do their tournaments mad weird like i'm looking at the wcc bracket and i'm like well yeah you got like the nine and eight and then seven and ten and then you have the six seed and then you just kind of keep playing they kind of keep just going down the bracket here yep. um it's like it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting it's but that's what makes the conference tournaments so nice because it's like you know everyone's familiar with the way the other teams play so you get kind of that that winner takes all against teams that some teams are played three times yep so it's nice to get the fourth matchup because then you're like okay who's really the better team absolutely and we've seen wcc tournaments like have some shake up like you know two years ago st mary's won the conference even though gonzaga was arguably best team in the nation that year with ruby hachimura you know uh brandon clark that team was solid bro and st mary's just had a great run and ended up beating them I mean, but any of the top four seeds in the WCC could end up presumably winning. I mean, St. Mary's having to play Gonzaga is just unfortunate. But, I mean, Pepperdine and BYU could get a beaten down, good. unmotivated Gonzaga, or they could get a St. Mary's that's just, like, right off the upset, so their energies are high, so obviously they could sneak one out of there. It's possible. I mean, yep. how many times in those old Big East tournaments did we see, like, a four or a five or a six seed come out and win in that conference? I mean – I mean, UConn a lot better a basketball teams. Though. Yeah, no, obviously. But, like, at the same time, like, those are teams that those – it's because it's a conference. Everyone's familiar with the teams that they're playing. Right. So yeah, you get a different – you get a totally different game. And you, you, It's probably the third, sometimes fourth time they've seen that team. Um, so, you know, very familiar. When you're familiar with the team, you know, obviously usually a little bit Like, closer. you look at Michigan, right? They, bounced, they lost to Illinois. Hard they lose to Illinois. Hard so let's hop into game. that. Let's hop into that. Yeah, hard let's hop into game. Michigan. And then they slap Michigan State three nights later. Yeah. Well, I thought, you know, I talked about this with you off air, but I thought that that spot was a letdown spot. Like, AL wasn't playing. And, you know, Michigan kind of went into that game. Like, they overlooked 
Illinois, dude. And it just looked like that kind of game. And Illinois just went out there and just smacked them, bro. Yeah. And, and Michigan. You look at Baylor. And then you look at Baylor on the opposite end, right? Well, and then we'll right. talk about Baylor and Michigan in terms of how they're going to look. But, I mean, then you look at Baylor, right? They play that thriller against West Virginia, a game they easily could have lost. Yep. But then they go out and lose three nights later. <laughs> so three nights like, before. Yeah. Three nights before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they go out and lose, and then they – you know what I mean? So they get that big win against West Virginia, which was huge, right? It's a big yep. win. I mean, West Virginia definitely looks like a one seed. We yeah, had, no. You know, we were talking about West Virginia going, this this could be the best team Huggins has ever had. And it's looking like it's matching the drapes as far yep. as I'm concerned. No, so, they're really good, and they're really good against ranked teams, dude. Six and – they're now six and four. They were six and three going in that Baylor game. So, I mean, they play good teams very tough. Like, they don't right. – you know what I'm saying? So that's why I like them as a dark horse. Plus, you got guys like Derek Culver. Um, and this is definitely the best offensive team I've seen from West Virginia, from Bob Bob Huggins in a long time. It's just, man, that Big 12 is just so deep, dude. And, yeah. you know, we, we were talking last year. We both said, you know, Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan are the top three teams. And then, you know, Baylor goes out and they get smacked by Kansas, who hasn't been that good this year. Yes, they are playing better of late. Um, but that Fog Allen Fieldhouse uh, curse still exists, dude. Like, for some reason, Baylor just – they do not perform I mean, this well is the there. same Kansas staff for, like, 15 years in a row. They won the Big 12 regular season championship. So, yep. I'm not not to say Kansas plays to that level, but, I mean, it's still Kansas. Yeah. So, in essence, that's not a bad loss. I don't think people will view it as a bad loss. In that it's only loss. It's a conference game on the road. It's not a terrible loss. Definitely not. I mean, it's just so tough because everybody in the Big 12 is like a top eight or nine seed in the tournament. Because, <laughs> like, you look at all those teams at the top of the Big 12 and you're like, well, yeah. I mean, Oklahoma's good. You have Kansas, that's a solid team. Oklahoma's been Baylor. struggling, though, dude. Yeah, but, like, it's hard to ignore that run they just had in the middle of the season, too. When you go into the tournament, you're like, okay, how are they playing at their best? And they all, do, the, all the Big 12 tilted. teams that play, yeah, if they all play at their best. The Big 12 is probably the best conference in the country. Oh, yeah, hands down. And the thing with the Big 10, the Big 10, there are so many inconsistent teams. Michigan kind of gets the benefit of it. Like, they got got Illinois on a night where Illinois was clicking on all cylinders. But at the same time, uh, Michigan, Oklahoma's lost three games in a row. Actually, they've lost four games in a row. Four games. They lost Kansas State. Oklahoma State twice, and then Texas. Yeah, and even those are all good teams, too. That's a They are all good teams. That's they a are gauntlet. all good teams. Not, not excusing Oklahoma's loss, but, I mean, if you look at the way they've been playing, it just shows that that conference plays tough. And you look even, even with the Big Ten, like some of those Big Ten teams are like, you know, they're like kind of sleeping giants. They, play, they yeah. can have one real stinker and then go out and win three improbable games. So, <laughs> so I guess the question I want to pose to you is, has this last week changed your opinion on the top teams or do you still feel confident who the top teams are? And or do you think that maybe the field this year is a lot wider than we really think? I think there's a lot of potential for the field, but I still feel like with Michigan bouncing back, um, you know, the, the Illini loss, I'm not worried about with Michigan that much. I still feel like, yeah, that they, they needed that. I think losing to Illinois now, as opposed to losing the big 10 tournament is much better for the psyche. 
Um, I'm not really worried about Baylor. I mean, as as we just what I mean, every team in the Big Ten, I mean, the Big Twelve with ten teams, <laughs> uh, is just they're they're so good. They have a lot of good basketball there. I mean, Kansas is the one loss, and Kansas away is always a tough road game for everybody. Yep, it is. So, they play very well at home. Yeah, and you're still dealing with Bill Self. I mean, Bill Self got them to play at the level they're capable of. Yeah, which it just seems, as I said, with Kansas, like. Yeah, it's not a down season, but could they be a six seed and make a run? Sure, I wouldn't doubt it. And what what are we going to take away from Villanova now that Gillespie's out for the year? That hurts. I mean, I think Huge. the Big East is wide open. The wide Big East open is now. Wide open. I mean, I would have said Creighton without all this other malarkey going on with Coach McDermott. Yeah, um, Xavier could now. sneak. Xavier could sneak away and win the Big East at this point if they can use that as a catalyst. UConn. UConn definitely, yeah. UConn's known for that magic, and Dan Hurley's a good coach. So, and, and I mean, if Jim has been a totally different UConn's been totally different, Brian, since Beaumont's been back. He's a stud. He's he's, he's an stud. NBA player. That's that's yes. yeah. He reminds me of like the old Big East stars of yesteryear. Yeah, yeah. Like he really Dude, does. I honestly think UConn's gonna win the Big East tournament now. I would love to see a UConn. Uh, you can't just lose a guy like Gillespie yeah. and just continue. I mean, he's a senior. A UConn he's... Xavier final is what we need. <laughs> just saying, throwing that out there. It might it might end up happening, dude. Hey, I want I a Michigan Ohio State Big East a Big Ten title game. I'm I'm down with that. All right, I'm with it. I'm definitely with it. No disrespect to Illinois, the Illini have been fantastic, but you know, let the big boys in the Big Ten, you know, duke it out. <laughs> hey, there we go. All right, so have you changed your opinion on a dark horse this week? Uh, or what I mean, are some teams that have, like have played like that have kind of surprised you this year or this week? Oh, the last week, I wouldn't say really surprising. I mean, I was really pulling for West Virginia to win that Baylor game, but I think uh, West Virginia. I'm not really surprised, but I'm glad that they they were able to pass that test because that's a huge test for them. I mean, could Kansas come back and make a run? Yeah, that wouldn't be too shocking. I, I just don't – I'm not totally sure. I, you know what? Once the conference tournaments are over, we'll be able to get more of a gauge. I think now the the the, 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 the game is changing a little bit now because now we're going to see who's re, who's really ready to play big-time basketball. Like, regular season's one thing. You can't have a bad night. Not yeah, these no, conference not in, tournaments. No, what about – what about Texas? So, like, this has been a confusing team. I mean, they I mean, started they, the year of top five. Yeah, they've been they've been good. I mean, they got wins over Davidson, who's a really good team. North right. Carolina, Indiana, who are so so. Beat Oklahoma State. They've beaten Kansas twice. So they beat Kansas at Kansas and at Texas. Uh, they've beaten West Virginia. Two losses to Texas Tech, and they have Oklahoma or they beat Oklahoma today. I mean, they, they have some great wins, and they have some bad losses. Yeah, Shocker does not do well against Chris Beard. That's just a horrible coaching match. Like, Beard owns Shocker Smart. Yeah, like it's Tech crazy. Has, Tech has really gotten Texas number the last couple of years. Um, Texas is a team that I don't know what to believe. And they're, and they're in the realm of some of those middling Big Big Ten teams as well. Like, yeah. I just kind of put them in that same realm. Like, I don't. I don't know what to believe when Maryland was starting to slide before they completely fell out of the tournament conversation. Like Maryland is the same way. It's like, yeah, they started out the season with all this promise, but you know, the pieces that they have don't fit. And I feel like for Texas with Shaka smart, like 
not to say that Texas has to go hire another big time coach for another sport, but like at this point with Shaka Smart, it's like, you know, you had all this hype with him coming from VCU and what's the style of basketball they're going with. Cause it's like, you know, they, they either play great defense one game and they have trouble scoring on their own or they can shoot really well, but then they're just running the floor and then, then they're exhausted. They don't play any defense. So it's like there's no real consistency from Texas. And it's just, this has been the case as a program well, for quite a long time. I think, I mean, that's just kind of how Shaka Smart is, dude. His teams are always like defensive first. And then on offense, they kind of just run down the shot clock. Like he wants to win games, you know, 65 to 60 yeah but like, then early in the season he was starting to change a little bit letting them kind of press and kind of like run the floor and they were winning games that way but then they had that one they had one bad non-conference loss and all of a sudden they kind of shivered into their own it's like it's like when coaches try to expand the game go, okay i have different kinds of players and then you go you know what i'm gonna go with what wins best and yeah. it's not just it's not just a basketball basketball coaches fall victim to this a lot and it's something that happens in other sports where they go back i mean to they're you know they're only non-conference losses to Villanova, and that's that's nothing to be ashamed but that's the about. Level, but that's the level of team that they're trying to compete with. So if they're losing to Villanova, and they are not, and they're having the record they're having in the Big Twelve, you would say Texas is not where they should be as a basketball program with the resources that they've given Shaka Smart. Yeah, no, I. I, agree. I mean, considering Texas Tech got to a Final Four, considering Oklahoma got to a Final Four. Yeah. Considering Kansas won how many Big Tens and Big Twelves in a row, and then never mind the fact you still have Oklahoma State that got Cade Cunningham, a premier recruit, which is something they've also been trying to do is recruit better players. I mean, he's so got a good recruit, so. But you know, at the same time, it's just the progress, right? Mo Bamba was there, but it didn't fit. Well, you yeah. know, you had Miles Miles Turner a long time ago with Rick Barnes. It's the same thing. They've they've never had issues getting like the one star. What they're trying to do is build a team, dude. Rick Barnes criminally misused. He criminally misused Miles Turner. I know he thought he had like he thought he had Austin Crozier playing him out in the high post like that. Like what the hell Mm -hmm. you doing? (laughs) Like this isn't Austin handoffs. That's all he did. Yeah, criminal dude. I know. And and but then when you see Rick Barnes at Tennessee and you go, okay, now he's allowed to play his style of basketball. So it's almost like when Rick Barnes goes to Tennessee and succeeds, you're almost like, okay, is it a Texas thing? Like it is with football, like is it just a culture thing that they want? I don't think because like I, I feel like Shaka play. I feel like his teams play the same way. I think with the difference is is with VCU, you know he had, you know, teams filled with upperclassmen. Like they were starting four seniors and a junior. They were starting three seniors and two juniors. So it was guys that were able to like b- build up. He got to work them up as freshmen, redshirt freshmen even. And then you I know. mean, I can make the same case with Enfield at USC by the same round too. He got used to playing upperclassmen, and now you're going to USC where the best player on your team's a freshman. Yeah, it's an adjustment. Yep. But I mean, that's what it is being at a big program, is that you're also being given quote unquote. And I because I'm I'm gonna say this because sometimes the middle schools do have a lot of talent, is you have more talent. Yeah, but is that I, I talent? Think the... I think the biggest problem with coaches uh, like Enfield and um, and Shaka Smart is that they're too stubborn to adjust to their players. It's like, no, we need to play my system. You know what I'm saying? Rather than like with Evan Mobley, dude, I see this too many times with Enfield. Like he has Evan Mobley uh, just can't figure out how to get him the ball because teams will run a zone to take away the post, right? The post entry. Right. So, all right, well, if you 
if you can't get him the ball in the post, how are you going to get him the ball? Because you need to figure out how to get him the ball. He's your best player on your team, right? Why not have him get the ball in the high post? Why not have him get the ball at the elbow? Because he could shoot the three. He could take it off the bounce. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. why not utilize his strengths to the best of your advantage? Yeah, I mean, look at uh, and another another school I'll use as an example. I mean, you look at Michigan with Jawan Howard, right? I mean, those players played for John Beeline, and that was a like if it wasn't eight seconds after the shot clock, it was halfway through the shot clock. Those dudes were taking shots. They were pulling up from half court if they had if they had that ability to. Yeah. And Jawan Howard turned that into a very structured kind of a weird version of the it's it's it kind of looks a little bit like a mix of Al Skinner's flex and kind of like what you saw from Michigan yesteryear way back when when they just allowed you know like they were doing a lot of driving kick but there's a lot of flex a lot of driving elements it, yeah there's a lot of flex offense elements in there too because obviously you know you have a guy like Hunter Dickinson who's a very talented player in his own right so Little having that few. one they have two two solid guard forwards, you know, Franz Wagner and Isaiah Livers, yeah. who can they can score multiple different ways. Like they don't need the ball to be effective, but they're also good with the ball in their hands. And then you have a guy like Hunter Dickinson that can like clean up the offensive glass. He can get the ball in the post, command double teams, kick it out. Then you can drive and kick from there. I mean, Michigan just has a multitude of ways to attack a defense. And there's really no like they can kill a zone. They can kill a man. There's no way to actually stop them. They're too good. And then uh, their point guard, yeah. his name's And then even with him. Illinois, right? Illinois with Kofi, they use him very different than how Michigan would use. They, like, they use Kofi as kind of the, like how the Celtics used Al Horford was kind of the right. way I watched it. Like, they used him in the high post, and they allowed the off and they allowed the guards to move as he was moving. So they yeah. would move him all over the floor. Like, Kofi's always moving. And then when right. he plays defense, he kind of stays in one point. They play kind of like that hybrid zone where he's kind of like, the one guy in the middle, then everybody else is defending. You know who um, Dickinson, Dickinson reminds me of? Who that? Enos Cantor. That's a good composite. Yeah, that I like that, actually. He, like, kills it on the glass. He can, like, score around the basket. But, like, dude, that fool is not that good defense defensively. <laughs> but he's good with the ball, you know what I'm saying? And then I think in Kofi, like you were saying with Al Horford, I think Kofi's a much better playmaker than Dickinson. So they're right. able to they're able to do you know do different kind of action off of that because I wouldn't I wouldn't have uh, Dickinson like I wouldn't run my offense through him per se. Yeah, he might, he's gonna. I, I wonder what his position is gonna be in the next level because the hybrid four with with him is gonna be interesting. I mean, for someone like Kofi, obviously he's gonna be a five. Like it's kind of obvious. Like he shows a lot of yeah. those five skills. Where he falls is gonna be fascinating once that time comes. But that was I don't a fun think Dickinson matchup, plays in the NBA, bro. No. Like, I don't know what his position's going to be. Like, that's kind of like... Because that center is, like, dead, basically. <laughs> right. I mean, at least with Kofi, like, off-ball, the off-ball movement he does offensively gives him immediate value. Yeah. Just that alone. Like, he can be, at worst, like Fessus Azili was with the Warriors. Like, just being able to help the guards move the ball and create shots. If yep. that's all you do, that's not a bad thing. Azili was a great uh, rim protector too. Yeah, and the defensive part of the and he's definitely got that down. Like yeah. some of those games I was watching early in the season, he can he can send yeah, shots. Kofi back could and, play. Yeah, he could definitely yeah. play defense. Since we're talking about draft prospects, I think a very interesting prospect, and I'd love to get your opinion on this, is Derek Culver. Because he's kind of from from West Virginia. 
Yeah, I mean, Bob Huggins has a history with with uh, with with scoring players. So like, because a lot Clover, of people, Culver to me is one of those dudes where like I don't know what his position at the next level is because he's like a six ten forward. He's not very great at shooting. Uh, you know, he can he can kind of create off the bounce. He's ferocious on the glass though. Like the kid can absolutely fucking rebound. Um, yeah, but haven't so, we heard this before from West Virginia? Like, doesn't this sound like Joe Alexander? Now, I hope for God's sake that he would have a better career. Joe Alexander, Alexander was was nice offensively, though. Right. Well, but like, I, I think it's tough he, with Culver. Like, I need to see him in the tournament. Because this has been a weird season. Like, let's see how it does when he has to actually, like, adapt on the fly with tougher matchups. Like, there are some games that West Virginia could play especially in the second round, depending on what seed they get. Like, if they get a three seed, right, West Virginia? I, I think they're a two. But if they get, like, a three seed and they have that tough six, you know, that six spot in the Sweet 16, that could be the matchup where the, this West Virginia team gets tested. And obviously some of these scorers around college basketball will get will get some good tests. I mean, I want to see Florida State, too. Florida State and West Virginia, to me, are kind of on the on equal pegging because, like, I know I, I like the coach. I'm a big fan of Huggins and Leonard Hamilton. I'm a big yeah. fan of how both teams play. They're both consistent and the, the player and the pieces fit. I just want to see how they do against good teams. Like now that Nova's down, that fourth number one is wide open. Yeah, no, it's definitely wide open. But I, I, mean, I Illinois didn't have makes a big there. case. Illinois, Iowa. If Iowa's playing their game, dude, they're a tough team to beat too. Yeah, Iowa can still win the Big Ten. They can get hot for a week straight and make it happen. Iowa's biggest issue, though, is that they just struggle against athletic wings, dude. <laughs> like, like if you're you like as a USC fan, that's Iowa's the team you want to play in round two. Yeah, but also Iowa can knock down three point shots, and like I do not want to get in a shootout as a USC fan. Like that's the last thing I want to do. But maybe you just get Garza in foul trouble early. You just oh, get I mean the ball. I mean, I that think would Mobley be the, would that would be the way I go about. Bro. It. Yeah. I think the problem is, is that USC, our defense, we were best defensively when we play zone. And, like, Iowa is a team you can't play zone against, so, like, they would have to play man. I definitely think Mobley would lock up Garza, but I think that our guards would probably struggle. Yeah, but that would be one of those, like, if Garza gets in foul trouble early, like, that would be the blueprint. Yeah. If, I'm, if I were playing Iowa, like that's I would want to drive it inside, get, try to force Garza to have to be the rim protector he's not. Yep. And then kind of go from there because that's the best way to beat Iowa. That seems to be the way some of the Big Ten teams have done it, especially some of the smaller guard teams where like you have teams like Ohio State that rely on creating shots at the foul line. Right. Michigan State was able to stay in that game because of the same thing. So I could, tr- if, if USC, obviously they have the talent. So it's up to Enfield to kind of create a scheme to be able to do that. UCLA, I think if UCLA plays Iowa, that's a blowout. Like, I could see UCLA having a coming out party because, like, that's just a perfect storm. But it's another team that I will have a lot of faith in. Like, it it depends on the matchup. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The thing that scares me the most about, like, a – USC playing a top team, like if they were to play Baylor, do Baylor would probably whack them by like 50. Oh, Baylor would be the worst possible. <laughs> yeah. Baylor, Gonzaga, and I would say even if I were USC, I would try to avoid San Diego State as long as possible. Those are three teams that I'd probably steer yes. away from because of the way they play. It's not because USC is not good enough to hang with them. It's because of the way they play. 
Hundred percent agree, bro. Hundred percent agree. I mean, San Diego State's a team that I think could be an elite eight Final Four contender as well. Oh, easily. And Not I feel so team. bad for them, though. I feel yeah. so bad for them, Brian, because last year, like they they should have been a Final Four team, and they were robbed. That was that the chance, best team dude. they've had since Kawhi. Easily, dude. That was such a good team, bro. And now, so much for that, dude. Yeah. Sucks. Damn COVID. <laughs> but all right, before we before we get out of here. You know, next week we got conference tournaments. Uh, so let's let's predict our Power Five conference tournament champions right now. Obviously, we don't know the brackets, but let's predict the the champs, dude. Let's predict them. Even though next week we'll probably be recording in the midst of the tournaments, but we're gonna give out some predictions right here. And yeah, it's gonna be dope. So let's start with the ACC, or let's start with yeah, let's start with the ACC. Who do you like in the ACC to win the tournament? I mean, as much as I'd love to just say Florida State, but I mean, do I have faith in Florida State to really like do it? And that's really what it comes. But I, I, I'm still going to be my bias is going to say Florida State. Like that's I'd like to see Leonard Hamilton get over the top, especially a year where Duke and Carolina are not necessarily like Duke and Carolina. But it wouldn't shock me if Coach K pulls out a freaking run. Now that Jalen Johnson, because they've been playing better since this was like continuation of last week's show. Like Duke finally have their structure finally set. Yep. They and have we know lost how scary they are. Well, yeah, that's that's the downside of that. But like I'm gonna take I'm gonna go with Virginia. And that's a solid number two pick, too. Taking Virginia. All right, let's move to the big east. Who you got winning that? Obviously, Gillespie is out now, so that's tough, dude. Very Unless tough. Unless one of Nova's over. youngsters, if one of Nova's youngsters steps up the way Da Vincio did when um, Brunson got hurt a couple of years ago, that would be one thing. Um, but I don't know if I see that necessarily. Plus, I mean, yeah. there's no Brunson. There's no, you know, like those, the Mario, they don't have that. This this Villanova team's not on that level. So Jer- I'm hey, pick- Jeremiah Robinson Earl is very nice, but he needs a guard like Gillespie to be nice. Yeah. And I'm just going to go with Xavier. I feel like, you know, every other team in the Big East right now has got something going against them. Like Creighton's got off-field shit. Um, Villanova, obviously, the Gillespie injury is huge. And it really comes down – I just think Xavier right now, they're getting hot at the right time. All right. I, I like it. I'm going UConn. And that's another U- team getting hot at the right time, yeah. Taking UConn to win the Big East. All right, let's move to the Big Ten. I think we both probably have the same team winning the Big Ten. <laughs> oh, Michigan's winning the Big Ten. All right, we're both on Michigan. I want Ohio State in that title game, but Illinois, Illinois would be the number two pick if I hit the pick. There's no way Ohio State's winning the Big Ten. That's that that I, I am not falling for that again. <laughs> no, no, Ohio I, State I agree, will dude. not win. I don't see I don't see a team beating um I don't see a team beating Michigan in this uh in this conference tourney. All right, let's move to the Big Twelve. I still, I mean, Baylor, Baylor's just, if Baylor's hit on all cylinders, that's, that's, that's a wrap. But I mean, any of those teams in the top five seeds could win that conference. That's, that's how good those teams are. Agreed. They're playing at their best. And I'm going to take a long shot here, Brian. I'm going to take Texas to win the big 12 tournament. Man, Shaka Smart would want to slap me after that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but no, honestly, that'd be good for Shaka because you know what? It's it, there's gonna be there's gonna be conversation if he doesn't go far in the tournament with this team. There's gonna be a lot of talk about his future as well. And obviously, with 
what they've done in the football program, they're not afraid to pull the trigger. Yeah, agreed 100% on your on that take right there. Definitely going to be some conversation about Shaka Smart's job. All right, let's move to the Pac-12. This is a pretty tight regular season race. Who do you think is going to win the tournament here? As long as I get a USC-UCLA Pac-12 title game, which is what I felt like we've been deprived of for so long, both these teams being at the top, at, at pretty much near top level. Um, I'm not feeling Arizona, so I, I'm, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with USC. I think Mobley Col- can. I think Mobley can do it. All right, Colorado. They might struggle in the tournament if depending on what seed they get, because <laughs> the second round game could be tough for them. But so this is the thing: Colorado, Oregon are the four hottest teams in the conference right now. The problem with Colorado is they're not very good away. They're six and six away, eleven and one at home. So, so in a neutral site, yeah. exactly. I don't really trust them. So I'm eliminating Colorado. Oregon got dog walked by USC, although it was at the Galen Center in LA. So I'm not going to put too much weight into that. However, Evan Mobley definitely proposed a ton of problems with to them. I think if USC gets that Oregon matchup again, I definitely think this is USC's conference. However, if USC doesn't win the regular season, I do think it's going to be tough for them to well, win the Oregon conference. Oregon as a semifinal, that would be a tough semifinal game for sure. Yep. But so, UCLA could have a lot of problems at Oregon, so you could end up getting a USC-Oregon game as well because I could see Oregon beating UCLA. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, I mean, Arizona could just come out of nowhere too. I mean, not that I think it's going to See, that's happen, the thing. It wouldn't surprise me. So my problem with UCLA is the same thing with Colorado. 11-0 at home, 5-5 five and five on the road. They're not a good road team, so I don't know how they're going to play in a neutral site. I would definitely say USC Oregon is my two favorite. I'm going to take USC just because obviously that's my team. And if I take Oregon, then USC is going to win. And then I'll look like a fucking jackass. Yeah. And even the SEC, like, yeah, I mean, the SEC is kind of the same case of the Pac 12. Like, yeah, Alabama has been on top pretty much most of the season. Arkansas, Arkansas is hot. Like, record wise, they're there. They're there record wise. And I would seven I, in I, a I row, though, Arkansas. Brian. What's that? Seven wins in a row for Arkansas. Yeah. And that's a and that's a basketball program that like if you grew up in the '90s and you didn't like those Arkansas sides, well, I don't like you. <laughs> First of all, like Nolan Richardson, that's that's some fun teams, man. But like, I don't know. I think if you get Alabama and Arkansas head to head, I don't know. It's gonna be a great match. I don't know if either team has a definite advantage in that game. I agree. I agree. I think Alabama. I Coach Cal ain't winning that. That's for damn sure. I lean Alabama just because they're they have a you know more upperclassman like Josh Petty. He's you know he's been to the tournament before, so I lean Alabama there. Although Arkansas is hot right now, and to bet against them is fucking crazy. I'm gonna take Alabama here though. I'm gonna take Alabama in the SEC tournament. So just to recap, Brian, you have uh just to recap real quick in the ACC you have Florida State. Yep. In the Big 12, you have Baylor. Big East, you have Xavier. Um, and then we go to SEC, you have Bama. Mm-hmm. And then you have USC in the Pac-12. I have USC in the Pac-12. I have Bama in the SEC. I have Texas in the Big 12, Michigan in the Big 10, which we both have. And I'm taking UConn in the Big East. 
And in the ACC, I'm taking Virginia. If UConn wins the Big East, there's going to be some partying in Boston. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I got They'll these written down, dude. We're going to document this. We're going to revisit this uh, on the show after so we can see how well we did. So, yeah, man. Good shit. Uh, got to do this professional read here real quick. The NFL season has come to an end. The 2020-2021 champs have been crowned. And if you're like me and you've been betting on the NFL all season long, you might be wondering what's next. That's why I like my bookie, because no matter the sport or season, you can always win big now. I'm talking nonstop action, 365 days a year. Choose from thousands of lines on the NBA, NHL, UFC, and more, because winning season never ends when you play at my bookie. They truly have something for everyone, and absolutely nobody does prop bets like my bookie. You can get action in on everything from celebrity divorce to the winner of the All Valley Karate Tournament. Yes, you can really bet on that. And with the NCAA March Madness right around the corner, there couldn't be a better time to start building your bankroll. Do yourself a favor, get a head start, sign up today with promo code TAPROOM, and get your first deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. That's free cash credited to your account instantly on top of your deposit. The best part is you always have access to the action, whether you're at home or on the go. Visit the website online today at mybookie.ag and use promo code TAPROOM to grab yourself a deposit bonus. Bet, win, and get paid at mybookie. want to thank everybody for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to, uh, you know, talk some college sports with Brian. We are definitely, you know, as we head towards spring, we're going to be talking more college football as we get spring football right around the corner, which I'm not even sure if teams are doing. Are they even doing that, Brian? Uh, I mean, some of these spring games, it's like I never pay attention to much of the spring games because the college football season, as far as I'm concerned, other than the transfers that will be going on. So we'll talk about some of those transfers as they come. But once that feel steel book comes out, that's when football season starts, in my opinion. <laughs> that's the gospel. Big facts. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you again for uh, joining me, bro. We'll be back next week. And then, you know, we're really hoping I'm telling Brian to work on his schedule. So you get on the, the special March madness bracket. And we're actually in talks to do something with SSAW for it as well. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a SSAW taproom collaboration uh, for March madness. We're going to do a contest. Me and CJ are kind of hammering out the details right now, but be on the lookout for that. Visit taproomsportspodcast.com. You can catch Brian on Reformed Hooligans talking European football. And he's got to actually, he was telling me about the episode today, and I'm actually going to listen to it, even though I don't know shit about fucking European soccer. But I'm interested to hear this uh, this conversation you were telling me about. So I'm really looking forward. When does that drop? Saturday, right? Uh I think actually Friday morning or Saturday morning. Yeah. So it'll drop by the time this podcast is up. All right, cool. So tune into that. Catch Brian on Reform Hooligans. You can catch me on Taproom Sports Podcast every Monday morning. You can also catch me on APR talking NFL, usually centered around gambling. We're even doing uh, draft prop bets right now, Brian. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it's interesting stuff, dude. I love it. I love it. And speaking of betting, go to my bookie, use promo code TAPROOM, get 10% off your deposit bonus. Also, you can go to Tavour, get the best craft beer delivered to your front door. All you have to do is go to Tavour or download the Tavour app from any mobile device. Use promo code TAPROOM and get $10 off your first purchase of $25 or more. 
That's Brian Lewis. I'm your host, Jordan Stacks on Stacks on Stacks. Lats, we will catch y'all next week. Enjoy the conference tournaments, everybody. Can't wait for the big dance. Let's go. And I'm always snatching chicks. Flyer than Aladdin's whips. Haters on the sideline bitter. Hella fucking Maddie's rich. Took your darling off your arm. Now she just want to be daddy's bitch. They can't even find me where I'm chilling like my Addy switched. Yeah, breaking rules, we all been them. Dreaming about these M's. Told my team, let's all get them. Make a classic song, last as long as raw denim. Every track's a problem. What I spit is all venom like. Yeah. Every day I got some fly shit on yeah. Keeping all black outfit on yeah. I already bag most of the chicks That you out here trying to get on yeah. You just catching up to what I've been on Yeah, yeah that's what I've been on yeah. I see what you trying to do That's not even kind of new yeah. That's that shit I've been on yeah. All these girls you see around I already took them down yeah. That's that shit I've been on It's a huddle, guys. It's a huddle. Huddle, Latin for round. Come on, turn around. All right, there you go. All right, now, communication is the key. I signal the quarterback with the play. He relates it to you in the huddle, and then we try it on the field. Okay, let's do it. Okay, guys, it's a curl out to the fullback on two. Hey, 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 wait a second. How come you never call a play for me? You're a tackle, diphead. Hey, nobody calls me a diphead except my brother. Guys, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'll just run the ball. You always run the ball. Why can't I run the ball? Because you're slow and no one likes you. Well, you can't go to my birthday. Oh boy. Okay, guys, that was good for a first time. Let's try it again. Need to get prepared for the NFL weekend? Join us on APR, the annexation of Puerto Rico, an ode to the Little Giants movie of 1994 starring Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis, a new football podcast brought to you by Taproom Sports Podcasts. It features Taproom Sports Podcast hosts Jordan Stacks on Stacks on Stacks Lats and Big Ballin' Ben Larson. Joined by Weekend Waiver Wires, Steady Eddie Martin, and me, Tiffany, from Picks by Chicks, as we preview the upcoming week slate of games from a betting and fantasy point of view. Visit taproomsportspodcast.com for more information.